Well, good morning. I will not have the energy that Pastor St. Luke had, but hopefully my love for the Lord and, and passion will be uh, just as much here. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can be uh, in this church, in your house, worshiping you this morning. Thank you that for everything that we have experienced and heard and, and participated in so far this morning, just a praising and worshiping of your name and for the work that you're doing in Haiti, and we just pray for that ministry and for Pastor St. Luke and the others um, that are living for you down there. And I just ask that this morning that your word will go forth, that the message that you have for us, that uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit would just impact our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last time I preached, uh, I had a something that the Lord was working in my life and teaching me, and, and it was pretty clear to me right away what God wanted me to preach on. Uh, this time around when Pastor asked me, I had about five topics on my mind that I thought, boy, any one of those would be uh, good messages to bring, which is a good problem to have, right, when you have more things that you want to talk about than you have time to talk about. But I, I figured something would kind of settle to the top, and as as we got closer uh, to this Sunday coming, I realized I really need to find which topic that is. And I started thinking about some different things, like what have I not heard a message on in, in a long time? And I decided that I would fast for direction and... In that process, I realized, you know, I don't think I've ever heard a message on fasting. And it's, it's something that is in the Bible. We find, find fasting mentioned in the Bible over 70 times. So it seems like something that we should be doing and that we should know about, right? And I would say I was in about my mid-20s. You know, I grew up uh, in a home that was a Christian home and, and that I was taught scripture and went to church and like I said, I don't I don't recall ever being encouraged to fast. I don't ever recall really being educated on what fasting is or what the purpose of it is. And when I was in probably my mid twenties I thought, you know, for how much you read about it, I should learn what this is and, and start practicing it. And um if you care to look at your study sheet I have the dictionary.com definition of fasting, which most of the time, you know, the dictionary definitions are probably not going to be real relevant for our, you know, biblical context. But this one actually hit it pretty good. I don't necessarily care for the word religious observance, but it defines fasting as to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a religious observance. So in today's day and age, a lot of times you hear about intermittent fasting or, you know, things like that. It's popular as a diet. It's, it's popular, as, you know, for health reasons or weight loss or fitness. Uh, you might have had to fast before certain medical procedures or surgeries or things of that nature. But we're not talking about colonoscopies here today. We're talk, talking about biblical, biblical fasting. And you might get a health benefit, but that's not what it's about. Um, you also might hear, you know, like with Lent or things like that, people giving up a, a certain activity or a certain food or 
you know, you maybe have heard people fasting from TV or their phone or social media or something like that. And although this might meet the principle and it might even be helpful to remove those distractions while you fast, that's not a biblical fast. Uh, from what I can tell, uh, looking through scripture, that it's, it's either a food or a food and water fast and possibly these other things, you know, go along with it. The first thing I want to do here this morning is to just look at some examples and talk about some examples of fasting that we do find in the Word, some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, and to look at several potential purposes or outcomes of what fasting is. Some of you may, you know, this may be nothing new to you. Some of you may practice fasting, but I'm going to guess that for some of you this is going to be uh, something relatively new. So we'll, we'll just start with some examples uh, from the Old Testament. Um, a lot of times I think we maybe think about fasting and we think about like sackcloth and ashes and mourning and certainly there's examples of that. One of those examples was with David and when his young son uh, was deathly ill and, and David fasted and he mourned until his son died and there's other examples like that. Uh, there's examples of fasting being uh, used as a tool and, and along with repentance and turning back to God. If you turn to Joel chapter 2, just a small minor prophet book in the Old Testament, Joel, Amos, uh, Joel chapter 2, verses 12, and 12 through 14, and my Bible has a heading above this. It says, God's call for repentance. It says, even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. So you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. So in this particular case, God called them to return to him with a few things, fasting, weeping, and mourning. Um, if we think back to the city of Nineveh, remember Jonah went and preached repentance to the city of Nineveh, and that was a part of turning back to the Lord with that city as well, was fasting, um, so we have examples of that. There is one time in the Old Testament where God's people were actually commanded to fast on a particular day or observance, and that was the Day of Atonement. Um, it was kind of the Sabbath of Sabbaths. And in that particular instance, God's people were commanded to fast for that day and avoid other indulgences and pleasures and, uh, of things of life and just really focus on, on Him. Um, Daniel, he, he fasted. We know a lot about the book of Daniel, most of us probably. There's a lot of really neat stories in the book of Daniel, the, uh, the power of God on display like crazy, but most of us are really familiar with the first seven chapters. But then the last part of Daniel uh, oftentimes gets overlooked, and that, that's prophecy of, of end times and things to come. And we find in the book of Daniel that he fasted, preceding God's revelation of these end times. So there was something about fasting that helped trigger this revelation from God, and we see that different times in Scripture. 
Um, if we, you can start turning to Zechariah chapter 7 while I mention uh, another one. Um, Esther, if you remember that story, she was going to go speak to the king about you know, mercy for the Jews, and, and she asked for the, the Jews to have a corporate fast for three days for her before she went and did that. Um, but we'll go to Zechariah chapter 7, another minor prophet, second to the last book of the Old Testament here. And the setting of this was when Jerusalem had been exiled for 70 years to Babylon. This is actually also during the time of Daniel. Um, and we see the people sent several of their people to ask and plead for the Lord's favor. We find that in verse 2. And they asked this question of the Lord. They said, should we mourn and fast in the fifth month as we have done these many years? So apparently that was something that God had instructed them to do, that they were supposed to have this fast in the fifth month. And they asked this question. I'm, I'm sure they were frustrated on how long this exile had been going on and whatnot, and they asked, asked if they should continue to fast and mourn. And God's answer is in verse 4 through 6. The word of the Lord of hosts came to me, Ask all the people of the land and the priests when you fasted and lamented in these fifth and seventh months for these 70 years, did you really fast for me? When you eat and drink, don't you simply eat and drink for yourselves? So we can kind of gather from God's question back, they weren't really fasting for the Lord, were they? It had become a matter of habit. It had become a matter of them doing it for themselves. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but verses 8 through 13, they get a message from the Lord again, and he goes through these many things that they should be doing that they're not doing. They're living in sin. They're practicing sin. They've turned away from the Lord. And in verse 13 it says, Just as he had called and they would not listen, so when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. So Jesus, or God's answer here is that really fasting is worthless if it's just out of a ritual, just out of going through the motions. There has to be the, heart, the right heart behind it. And certainly if living in sin, that's not going to be the proper heart to be able to go into uh, fasting in the way that he wants us to do. But if we turn over to chapter 8, verse 18 and 19, things have started to change. And it says, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. The Lord of hosts says this, the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, the fast of the tenth, they will become times of joy, gladness, and cheerful festivals for the house of Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. So we see here that fasting is not just an activity uh, that goes along with mourning or lamenting or bad times, right? It can also go along with joy and, and festivals and um, gladness. And they fasted quite a bit, right? We see there that there was actually four months where they had a fast. And what can happen if we do things often? We can become complacent, right? I think that can happen in 
we're going to talk about more than just fasting this morning. We're going to talk about other spiritual disciplines as well. Um, so not to jump ahead, but even prayer or things like that. We can become complacent in our prayers and, and different things, can't we? And I think that was part of what was happening here. And this concept is similar to other places in Scripture, like Isaiah chapter 1, Amos chapter 5, Malachi chapter 1. These are different places where God condemns religious or spiritual acts that he may be commanded that are really good in our lives if done in the right heart and the right acts. But there were things like sacrifices, prayer, their festivals, singing, even going to places to worship. When they were doing things in disobedience or sin or religious motions and not for him, God condemned those things. And similarly here with fasting, he's saying, look, I'm not just asking you to fast to fast, right? There's a purpose behind it. So let's go to the new, some New Testament examples. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is going to be kind of our main passage here this morning. And as you're turning there, I want to just make a couple observations. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you have a red-letter Bible, it's going to all be read. This is the longest recorded sermon of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And to set the stage for this, I want to look at the other topics that, just mention the other topics that he talked about within this sermon because they're extremely practical things that we can take and it shows that fasting should be part of our lives as a, as a believer. But he starts out with these beatitudes and talks about the different attitudes and the different circumstances that Christians should, can find themselves in and that we are blessed in these different attitudes and mindsets. And even when persecution comes, uh, he talks about how believers should be different and how that we are salt and light and that people should be able to tell the difference between believers and non-believers. He talks about Jesus having come to fulfill the law. He then takes two topics, murder and adultery, which are part of the Ten Commandments, right? But he, he goes further with them, and it's not just the act. It's now the heart. If we hate somebody in our heart or if we look lustfully after a woman, that those things are considered murder and adultery. He talks about divorce and how, you know, Divorce is not his design, and, but yet there are uh, you know, some limited um, circumstances where it can be permitted. He talks about telling the truth, that, that integrity is important, that we are to be a people of integrity. He talks about how we're supposed to interact with others who are mistreating us. He talks about loving our enemies. Then we get into three spiritual disciplines, giving, prayer, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. He talks about fasting. Then he goes on to talk about how we're not supposed to store up treasures in heaven. It's our priorities, right? It's, it's where, what, what are we living for? What is our priorities? And he talks about how we need to be storing up treasures in heaven, not on earth. He goes into worry. And the cure for worry and anxiety is what? It's seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that he will take care of our basic needs. And just a side note, but Pastor St. Luke down in Haiti sounds like they 
probably experienced things that none of us in here experienced. Do we ever have to really worry where our next meal comes from or where we get our clothes or water or things like that? We really don't, but we still worry about a lot of things, don't we? And here's the cure. Here's the antidote. It's to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness first. He goes on and talks about not judging others and, and examining ourselves first and making sure we're right with the Lord. He talks about seeking and searching for, for the Lord. And he gives us this analogy of the wide and the narrow gate and how there's two paths and everybody takes one or the other and it's very specific how we enter the kingdom of God and, and by doing his will and that there's people in the end that think that they're going to heaven that find out they're not because they did not walk that narrow path. And then he ends with this idea of two foundations, you know, the people that build their lives on the rock of Christ Jesus or the people that build it on whatever sandy foundation they've managed to lay. So as you can see, this sermon is extremely practical. There's so much in here. You know, you can spend a quarter of a Sunday school class on this, right? Um, but the, these spiritual disciplines that are mentioned, giving, prayer, fasting, each one of those, if you look at the very beginning, it says when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And it's also, a, a, in these instances, a, a very private matter. It's not to be seen by, by people. But let's read chapter 16 through, or uh, ver, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. It says, When you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you they've gotten their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that you don't show your fasting to people but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So again, it's a when, not an if. So that's our first hint that if you're not fasting, we should be. Um, Again, it's for a purpose, right? There is a motive. It needs to be for God. talks about not doing it for show or anything like that. And we're going to see some examples of corporate fast where it's okay to fast with other people. It's okay to let people know that you're fasting. But there also needs to be a time where this is a really a truly private affair between you and the Lord that helps deepen and enrich your relationship with the Lord. And guess what? It says that we will be rewarded if we do this. I don't know about you, but I mean that, I think that should be motivating as well. If, if, if Jesus says that there's a reward for doing something, probably a good thing to to do on occasion. Um, and certainly, you know, I, I do want to take just a second to mention this. You know, there's people who are diabetic or have different health conditions that maybe can't do a, a food fast. Uh, you know, maybe that would be where some of these other uh, types of fasting can come in where you're depriving yourself of certain things in order to um, be able to focus more on Christ. A um, couple other New Testament examples that I want to look at here quickly. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the church that was at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, 
Lucius, Menaean, and Saul, so four guys, it says they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting. And the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So we see here fasting being done along with worship, that it was a small group of guys, and something really profound happened here, right? God, the Holy Spirit came upon them and, and gave them this message that they were to set apart these guys for missionary work. And, and they fasted and they prayed and they sent them off. Um, just probably a page over, Acts 14, verses, verse 23, we see another example similar to this in the early church. It says, When they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed to them, them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So again, here we see prayer in correlation with fasting leading to appointing elders in these churches. We just talked about this a little bit this morning in Sunday school class, how, you know, what a big job that would have taken patience for guys like Paul, you know, that were starting these early churches and appointing elders and doing things like that. And they took it really seriously. They, they, they prayed about it. They fasted over it. And through that, godly leaders were put in places in, place in these churches. So over and over and over again, where we see fasting, and also I'll mention one other fast, probably not one we're going to do, but there is a couple examples of supernatural fasting in, in the Scripture, right? Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, no food and water. Moses fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, no food and water. That'd be impossible, right? It was a supernatural fast. God made it happen. Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. Moses was in the wilderness, and it was right before he received the Ten Commandments. But fasting, I'm going to suggest here, again, I don't think it's a spiritual discipline that we often think of, but that it is a spiritual discipline. You know, what are some of the others? We have obvious ones like prayer, right? Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Reading the Word, taking in teaching of the Word, Bible reading, things like that. Meeting with other believers for worship. I think those would probably be kind of your top three, right? Kind of your main ones. But then we also have things like giving. I think that's a spiritual discipline. Communion. You know, all these things, all these spiritual disciplines, they take effort. They take diligence. They take commitment. Prayer. Prayer can be difficult, right? I mean, and again, like I talked about earlier, it can become one of those things that we just do because it's a habit, you know, before we eat or whatever. And I think we need to be careful with that because, again, God condemns just doing things just out of habit or religious practice. Um, but to really sit down and take time and spend time with the Lord in prayer, it takes effort. It takes discipline. Bible reading, again, if it's more than just reading a couple lines you know, on a page, like if there's study involved, if there's application involved, if there is you know, listening to the Holy Spirit, what He has for us, like that takes effort, that takes discipline, that takes diligence, takes commitment. Um, meeting together, 
we're kind of in, a, in, in an interesting location here, aren't we? We've got people that come from all over the, the region. It takes some effort to get up and get here. Hopefully it's all something that we're doing, you know, because we want to be here, but it takes effort. Um, meeting together outside of church, though, you know, having somebody over for a meal, it's not always convenient. It takes effort, it takes planning, uh, but those are things that I think we need to be doing as believers. Those are spiritual disciplines. Um, giving. You know, in order to do it with the right heart, right? What is, what is the right heart of giving? It's to sow generously and to give cheerfully, right? Those are kind of the main biblical principles of giving. Those things are, takes effort, takes discipline, takes diligence. Communion, obviously we do that occasionally here at church, right? When's the last time you took communion with believers outside of church? I would assume that some of you would probably say never. Uh, does, is there anything that says we have to do it in church? We just took communion with our college Bible study students uh, that, the week after Easter. It's, I think those are things that can help us to keep from becoming complacent with some of this stuff. Um, and how about fasting? Do you fast? I want everybody to ask themselves that question. Do you fast? And if not, why not? Is it because, like me, you were uneducated? Could be. You won't be uneducated after this. Um, is it because you're too busy? You know, if, if that's the case, well, then, you know, that's something you maybe need to think about, what your priorities are. Are you being too lazy? And, I, you know, I call it what it is. You know, it, again, fasting, it takes effort, right? It's not comfortable to be hungry, it's time-consuming, you know, I, I think when, when we fast, again, it's important that we're doing it for a purpose, that we're setting time aside if we're going to fast, that we're setting time aside that we're going to spend time with the Lord and not just doing it just because we're supposed to fast. But, but it's a discipline. It's, it's going to take effort. And, you know, all these things need to be done with different different segments of regularity, right? You know, prayer should be, a, I, I would think prayer and Bible reading should absolutely be a daily thing as believers. You know, when it comes to giving, or that, that's probably going to be less often, but it should be regular. Um, meeting together with other believers, you know, at bare minimum it should be once a week, but I think oftentimes it should be more than that. Um, fasting. I don't have an answer for you on how often that should take place, but we did see in Zechariah chapter 8 that he talked about four fasts in four different months. So if we started with four times a year, that probably is not a bad place to start. Um, and again, I mentioned this, but I think it really comes down, all these spiritual disciplines, they come down to priorities. Uh, done a Chip Ingram study where he talks about biblically, biblical priorities, and this has just really stuck with me over the years. I think it's very basic, but very accurate. If somebody came and looked at my bank statements, and if they looked at how I spend my time, those two things are going to give us a pretty good idea of what our priorities are, right? How I spend my time and how I spend my money. Those things are going to tell us what's important to us. And if we are not making these spiritual disciplines a priority in our lives, 
that's going to show, you know. We're going to be able to tell that by how we're spending our time. And, you know, even if you're in here and, and you are doing all these spiritual disciplines and you already are fasting, you know, it's still good to talk about these things. Um, as, you know, I'm, I'm humbled to be one of the leaders of this church, but as a leader of this church, you know, I, I want to encourage you to do these things. You know, we all do. We, the other elders and Pastor Marlon, we, we want to encourage people that are in this congregation to be taking the time to, to do these spiritual disciplines regularly. And, you know, it, it'd be like just because somebody's a Christian doesn't mean we stop talking about salvation, right? Or just because somebody gives doesn't mean we don't ever talk about giving. Like, it's important. We can always do them more and we can always do them better. Um, I would suggest that fasting can be an activity that is a small piece that can lead us to spiritual maturity and completeness. Why don't you open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is a passage I've been spending a lot of time in lately. We're going through it in one of the adult Sunday school classes, and we recently did it with our college Bible study students. But It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If somebody asked you, what is, what is our purpose in life as a Christian?, probably you'll come up with some sort of answer like glorifying God and becoming mature, complete followers of Christ. I would hope that would be uh, what our goal is. And you know, it says all Scripture. All Scripture is profitable. It's, it's profitable for training in righteousness. And again, something that's mentioned 70 or more times in the Scriptures, I think is probably important enough that we should take notice of it. Um, Training, you know, fasting will bring us closer to God. It will help us, equip us for these good works that God has for us to do. It's an activity, a discipline that we should be practicing if we are serious about our walk with the Lord and living the Bible out. I really believe that. To close with here, I just want to share, not that I have all the answers or you have to do it just like me, but I, I want to ex- share some of my experiences with fasting that, it might, it might be helpful. Um, I have found that when I have fasted, it totally sharpens my ability to concentrate and focus. It's a really unique thing. I've, I've been able to concentrate and focus unlike any other time in my life in, in the times that I've fasted. Um, I believe it's been the best, deepest prayer times that I've ever had, the times that I've fasted. And, and just been able to connect with the Lord. And, and you know, we're all busy, right? We all have a lot of things going on. But, again, when you fast, it's important to set that time aside to be able to, you know, you're fasting throughout the day, not eating, whatever, and you have that time set aside. How often do we do that? I know I don't do that very often. Like, I, I read the Bible before I go to bed, and so I have some time set aside, but how often do we set an hour chunk, you know, to really just spend time with the Lord? And, and when, when you're planning to fast, that needs to be part of that planning process, right? And, and that's going to be a result of that. And, you know, I haven't often fasted for 
guidance or revelation or whatever. But again, with this sermon topic, I believe that when I was fasted, that God gave me that direction, and I think he, he does that sometimes. I think we see examples of that in Scripture sometimes where if you fast, God is going to give revelation or guidance in, in certain things. Um, just practically, like I think in Scripture, rarely does it talk about time, you know, how long people fasted, but there are a couple examples where they've talked about it. Like Day of Atonement, that was a one-day fast. Um, with Esther, it talked about it was a three-day fast. I would say most fasts that we find are one to three days, and either food or food and water. Personally, I've just done one-day fasts from food. That seems to to work. You know, I'm a, I'm the kind of guy that likes to have three square meals a day plus snacks, and so by the end of the day, I'm ready. Right, my mind is sharpened, like I'm hungry and 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 that that has that has worked for me. Um, but just a, another thing that made me feel like this was a topic that I should talk about this particular Sunday. We do have a couple things coming up that I think are good opportunities potentially to try this out if you haven't done it, or to consider fasting. Um, we have a prayer renewal night. The, the second one of those we have we have one coming up this coming Saturday. And I think that would potentially be a real neat opportunity to fast leading up to that and then come to that prayer and renewal night and, and, and pray and, and experience that fasting and that sharpness. Uh, another thing that if you can't make that, it's mentioned in the bulletin, Friday the 5th is National Day of Prayer. Uh, potentially that could be a, a good day to just set aside some time and, and, and do this. And again, that would be a private fast. You know, if you if you do Saturday for the prayer renewal night, that might be somewhat a private fast, but somewhat kind of a corporate fast. Um, again, we see that in the New Testament church leaders that some of those guys they fasted together, and and God did some did some great things through that. If you look at your study sheet, there's a couple quotes on there that I want to end with. One of them is very very basic. The first one from John Piper. Fasting is a much-needed discipline in the life of a believer. This next one, this Wesley Duell, um, said, Fasting prepares you for the works God has ordained for you to do. You have no more right to omit fasting than prayer, Bible reading, or assembling with God's children. Fasting is just as biblical a part of a spiritual walk of obedience with God as are these others. And Bill Bright, if you are familiar with Bill Bright, he started Campus Crusade for Christ. He put together a pamphlet on fasting, you know, a guide. The guide is called Why You Should Fast. He listed these seven reasons for why we should fast. Fasting was an expected discipline in both the Old and New Testament eras. Fasting and prayer can restore the loss of the first love for your Lord and result in a more intimate relationship with Christ. Fasting is a biblical way to truly humble yourself in the sight of God. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition, resulting in brokenness, repentance, and a transformed life. Fasting will encourage the Holy Spirit to quicken the Word of God in your heart and His truth will become more meaningful to you. Fasting can transform your prayer life into a richer and more personal experience. 
Fasting can result in a dynamic personal revival in your own life and make you a channel of revival to others. So let's close in prayer here. Heavenly Father, we thank you, um, just first of all, that we can have a relationship with you, a personal relationship, and that you listen to our prayers and that you respond. What a neat thing that we can have the creator of the universe actually listen to us and respond, and it makes a difference. And I just ask that each person in here would consider this message here this morning, uh, that they would consider this idea of fasting, whether it's something new or something old that they haven't done for a long time, but just to realize that, you know, it is something that you have asked us and expect us to do, and there's a reason for that. And I ask that each of us could experience that, um, just the depth of, of what that brings about and how it can really enhance our spiritual relationship with you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction. And we give you praise and ask these things in your name. Amen.